0: This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Thanks for being with us on this Saturday morning. A new report has been released and it takes a look at the prevalence of sexual abuse in schools in Canada, and it looks at the time period of 1997 to 2017. And joining us on the line to talk a bit more about the findings and what this report was looking at is Noni Klassen, Director of Education at the Canadian Centre for Child Protection. Noni, thank you so much for being with us. Yes, thanks so much, Jill. Uh, Maybe uh, start with uh, telling us a bit of a background on the study itself and how many uh, schools or or students were part of this study and what it was actually looking at.
1: Sure. Um, Why we entered into this study was really because we operate Canada's tip line for reporting the online sexual exploitation of children. And what we were seeing is that we were hearing from our law enforcement partners when they were going in to make uh, arrests. Some of these individuals were, were working with children and organizations were asking, well, what more than a criminal record check could we be doing to be screening? And in particular, when we looked at schools, we had in one case uh, where there were 100 res- arrests in Canada, 40 of them were school teachers. So what we wanted to see was to provide some information to actually help schools with mitigating risk and understanding how they could be safeguarding children in their care. So what we did is we we started looking for data, and and we found that in trying to get a sense and ascertain information, we only could um, we could only obtain that information in three provinces as a related to uh, professional misconduct that was publicly available. And that was in Ontario, um, Saskatchewan since 2017, and uh, British Columbia. So we realized that, wow, okay, so we had to rely mostly on media reporting and case law for that. So right away we realized there needed to be more transparency because um, educators fall under a profession that involves public trust. So it's mandatory for kids to attend school, and in every other profession that involves public trust, such as doctors or lawyers, where you can check their standing because of the amount of imbalance of power that goes into um, of, of that type of sharing and relationship, disciplinary information is publicly available. So that was first and foremost what we noticed. And then when we started to see the prevalence of the numbers of students that we found who had been victimized, so we saw over the past 20 years, and we went back 20 years because we wanted to coordinate it um, with technology and the Internet, really, to see are we seeing um, technology used to extend relationships to more of a personal level that transgresses into a sexual uh, relationship, and what, in fact, we saw was yes, so we found 1,272 children who had been sexually abused by those who were working in schools, with um, over 86% of those being educators, uh, certified teachers. And um, so what we realized is we really needed to take a pause and take an opportunity to look at how can we be doing um, Better in terms of understanding this area, providing some transparency and accountability with contact with children, and modernizing policies today as it relates to um, extending contact with kids using technology.
0: And when we talk about uh, sexual assault, and that not that any of it is acceptable, but what did it look at? A particular was it a range of um, of offenses?
1: Yeah, we were actually looking at criminal code offences, so we were looking at those that constituted child sexual abuse under the criminal code, both contact offences and non-contact offences. And so contact offences are pretty obvious, but non-contact offences would include things like using technology, so um, communicating with kids. Um, for the purposes of facilitating a sexual offense. So that would be moving the conversation to sexual, asking for sexual pictures, sharing sexual pictures, um, and that sort. And that was um, the majority of the cases that we saw involved criminal Offenses um, that hit that threshold, um, and then certainly with some of those offenses, um, they also would uh, would hit the threshold of professional misconduct. Um, and so, what, that would be very important for to, and for that information to be publicly available to again ensure public trust and in the public interest. So that not only parents can have that information, but also so that those that are hiring and responsible for the oversight of these individuals are also made available. This information is made available to them.
0: Are they cases then that had been in the news or had been reported before or are these new cases?
1: Yes. So some of them had been, so the only ones that actually we were able to use outside of BC, Saskatchewan and Manitoba either came from media or they came from case law. So they weren't all in the media, but they had gone through the court, so there would be criminal decisions that were made, and court decisions, uh, we were able to get those in, in judges' decisions and then use that information. However, um, there certainly also in those three provinces, we did add in those it, those um, situations where teachers were sanctioned for sexual misconduct against a child as well by their authority for certi- teacher certification.
0: And when we hear that a teacher is sanctioned for that, if it, when it's is professional misconduct then, did you find that that was used as an umbrella term or did you know if a teacher was sanctioned for professional misconduct if in fact it was a sexual abuse case?
1: in the cases where it was made available we could identify that so we only actually pulled out the cases of teachers that were directly sanctioned for sexual misconduct
0: were you surprised by the numbers that came out in this report
1: well i think you know it is actually consistent with what we see across the country in other um, organizations too that serve children because it just showed us that schools are not invulnerable to also attracting individuals who have a propensity to um, potentially take these opportunities to um take advantage of their privileged position of trust. However, with that said, what we do know for sure from the numbers as well is that although we de- we definitely need to take note and we need to assess what we are doing, we know schools are safe places. So it certainly is not to suggest that parents should be afraid to send their kids to school, that the overwhelming majority of individuals in schools are professionals who are committed to the well-being of children. But what we do need to do is we need to enroll those people to help them be more educated have more education and training around this area specifically extending beyond their statutory duty to report we need much more training um, and we also need to have policies and procedures that are modernized to include technology that sets standards for accountability and transparency and then making sure that at the ministry level we do have these uh, regulations that allow public um, public availability to um, information where teachers are found guilty of sexual misconduct and where um, they, there needs to be some transparency with that.
0: And when we look at the uh, the ages as well, the breakdown, because this was a study that looked at to, from kindergarten to grade 12, and again, not to suggest that any level of this is okay, but did it break right. down as far as if we were talking about young children or talking about teenagers, 15, 16, 17-year-olds?
1: Yeah, so we did actually see a difference. Um, we saw that the 69% of all of the victims were in high school. So the overwhelming majority of the victims in this sample um, were actually middle school and high school kids, and often um, where grooming was involved. So what that means is that the individual had um, used their position to extend to professional or personal contact with the child to develop a personal connection, an emotional connection, to transgress it, to connecting outside of work duties, work hours. Um, and then moving that to a sexual relationship where the child felt initially that it was under the guise of this um, this relationship, um, sort of a, a dating type of relationship. Um, however, the, what we learned from the victim impact statements was that The betrayal of trust from somebody in such a privileged position was so incredibly damaging and corrosive to their development um, that it was devastating. And it was not only devastating at the time, it was devastating in terms of impacts that lasted long into adulthood, um, as well as to their families. So the impact extended beyond themselves to entire families as well as communities. So why we need to really understand this and do everything we can to prevent it from happening.
0: Where do you go from here in this as far as do you go to school boards or ministries? You mentioned you mentioned ministries earlier. What happens now? Would you like to see happen now with the information?
1: You know what we'd like to see is to provide some help. So we're really hoping that this information is helpful, so that people can take a look and reevaluate. You know what are we currently doing at school board level? Certainly, um, and what are we making available in terms of training and education awareness to our our in- individuals who are working in the schools? Because they're really the ones who are going to make the difference here. They're really the safe people in the schools who need the information. So that if somebody is seeking an opportunity or starting to. Develop an inappropriate relationship and they see transgressions, people know exactly what to do with that information. Even if it doesn't hit the threshold of potentially illegal or a child in need of protection, we need to have a lower threshold of what to do with those kinds of boundary-breaking behaviour that everyone's really clear about. And then at the ministry level, certainly using this new information to really give the pan-Canadian view and what that means regionally to, um, to help augment current practices.
0: All right, Noni, we'll leave it there, but thank you so much for joining us today. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at CKNW.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.